0: He's Julio, Executive Director of AW New York and Global Partnerships here at Advertising Week,
1: and I'm Ruth Mortimer, Global President at Advertising Week.
0: You're listening to the Future Is Female podcast from Advertising Week in partnership with LinkedIn.
1: Each week on the Future Is Female podcast, we'll be speaking to female leaders from across the industry.
0: These exceptional leaders, fearless visionaries, and trailblazing executives will share their stories and offer advice to all women in the workplace, regardless of seniority.
1: Thank you for joining us, and please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or your podcast platform of choice.
0: Today, we're joined by Amani Duncan. Amani is a board member and advisor, founder of Grit and Glory Consultancy, and former CEO of BBH USA. She is a seasoned futurist female veteran. She won an award with us in 2021, and she has joined us as a judge all over the globe. Today, we'll be chatting about the importance of allyship. Amani will talk to us about her seasoned and incredible career and help us understand why allyship is important now and always will be. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Imani. Welcome to the Futures Female Podcast. Hi, Louise. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I am so excited, first of all, that you guys have launched this amazing podcast. You know how much I love this platform. So thank you for having me as a guest.
0: Yes, we are so excited too and are thrilled to have you. You were in our very, very short list as ideal guests. i so excited that we could make this work.
1: Same, thank you so much. And I love to be on a short list. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so our episode today is all about allyship and its importance in the workplace. But let's start a little bit by hearing a little bit about your career and where you are today. So you could tell us your story. That'd be awesome. Of
1: course. Well. A lot of people have heard my story, and I I actually love talking about my career journey because it's quite unusual. I consider myself to be a corporate entrepreneur, and that was not what I set out to be many, many years ago. I will not date myself, (laughs) but back in the day as a young Amani starting out on her career journey... I was very singular in my focus. I thought I would be a corporate attorney, and that was really all I thought I wanted to be. I was a political science major in university with a minor in international relations. I caught the global bug very early on in my in my uh, childhood because my father. We worked abroad when I was very young and that afforded us the opportunity to travel to Europe and spend summer vacations in Paris and London and all throughout Europe at three months at a clip at the age of 10. And we just continued to to go abroad. And I just loved being what I called a global citizen. And so my idea was I would, become this corporate attorney and work, you know, in America, and then eventually become a UN ambassador and and live abroad and marry abroad. And, And I just had it all planned out. And then once I did graduate from university for the first time in my very young adulthood, I had a big aha moment. And I reconsidered the idea of becoming a corporate attorney. And of course, having a singular focus, I really didn't entertain anything else. And I was a bit lost and just by chance I decided to go into the music industry and the rest is her story. I went into now five different industries without the security of tenure. And that really started my journey as a foreigner in foreign lands. So I spent a little over a decade in the recorded music industry, working at some of the biggest record labels in the world, working with some of the biggest artists, music artists in the world, everyone from Jay-Z to Bon Jovi, to the Rolling Stone, to Katy Perry, to Lenny Kravitz, to Janet Jackson, and then the list goes on and on. And then I went to work for Sean Combs, and then I went to work for Martin Guitar, which is the oldest American acoustic guitar maker, and then MTV, and then BBH. USA. Um, And now I sit on boards and consult. I have my own consultancy agency and I advise a lot of people. And I sit on various boards, including Fender Musical Instruments, which is an an iconic guitar manufacturer and worth over a billion dollars and the Girl Scouts of Greater New York, which I'm so proud of. And my platform is really about supporting women and empowering women in any way that I can and paying it forward to those less fortunate. And here we are today. So that's just kind of the headline of my journey. And I'm looking and excited to continue moving forward and seeing what my next chapter continues to unfold. And it's been wonderful.
0: Oh, amazing. Talk about leaving us wanting more. I can't wait to see what's next for you. And yeah, what an amazing start! We'll say start, not just not amazing career. And oh, what amazing start to your career! You worked so hard, and it really, really shows. And you should be a lot that you should be proud of there. Oh, thank you. So you mentioned, you know, all these amazing things that you've done and how you've gotten to where you are today. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about some of the challenges you faced and how they helped shape you to where you are and. How do you feel that they've helped you build up your career?
1: What a great question, Luis. There were a lot of challenges and I'm so glad that you brought that up because I do a lot of public speaking and I talk a lot about my career journey. And surprisingly, not many people ask that question. They just wanna hear about the highlights. Very few people ask about the challenges and that to me is probably more important than the highlights because there's there's so much you can learn through the shared experience. I love storytelling, which is one reason why I love to do public speaking. I think the art of storytelling is lost. I think we live in such a rapid fire world and environment and people are moving at an unfashionable speed, that we've lost the art of sitting still and actively listening to others. And there's so much you can learn by just doing exactly that, sitting still and actively listening to others. It can help you be more connected to the world around you to the person that you're listening to. And I think it can help others feel less alone. I read an article that said the biggest mental health crisis in America that people are suffering from is loneliness. And it made me feel so incredibly sad. Loneliness. Can you imagine? But when you think about it, and how everyone's just in their own world, looking at a tiny screen, thinking that what's on the screen, the content that's on the screen is real, and they're not interacting with people for various reasons. COVID had a lot to do with that. Working from home has a lot to do with that. It all makes sense. So thank you for asking that very important question. There were a lot of challenges in my career I made a very rapid pivot when I decided to not go to law school. I interned for an independent record company called Def Jam Records, and their headquarters was based in New York City. I am born and raised in Los Angeles, one of the few people who are actually born and raised in Los Angeles, California. We do exist. And after... Several months of interning for free, they hired me. And I continuously called one of the senior executives in New York, begging him to move me to New York. And one fateful Friday, he called and offered me a job and said I needed to be there on Monday. He actually called me on Friday afternoon and said I needed to be on the red-eye flight Sunday night and in New York Monday morning. And so I went home and packed up my little bag that weekend and was on that flight. And so I landed 6 a.m., 5 a.m., whatever time that flight arrived at JFK and I knew no one. The only person I knew was him. And I lived in a hotel for three months and it was scary. I was 20, gosh, 24, 25 years old. I mean, I was a kid. It was October right before the blizzard of 95, 1995. And it was frightening. So you could imagine the need to have an ally, the need for a female mentor, a friendly face, someone to help this young kid from LA um, not feel so lonely. And I couldn't find one. I could not find one. And I asked a lot of women for many years if they would be my mentor. And I was rejected over and over again. And I eventually just looked to the men who were more willing to mentor me. And I didn't want a man for obvious reasons. I wanted a woman for obvious reasons.
0: That actually um, leads into the next question so well. Um, you know, I was going to ask: Have you encountered gender bias or discrimination during your career? But it almost sounds like it was opposite. Tell us a little bit about that and how you handled such situations.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I experienced a lot of everything throughout my career: uh, gender bias, sexism, racism everything i i was a foreigner in foreign lands as i mentioned earlier and i was the first black woman to hold 99% of the roles i held throughout my career and i'm just going to let that sit there for a moment because anyone that can look at my linkedin profile and see the roles that i held that that statement will hold a different tenor when you do that to be the first to hold the positions that I've held throughout my career that comes with great responsibility. And I, I did it because a, I was climbing the, the corporate ladder, but I also saw a need. I, saw a need that people in those rooms needed to get used to seeing someone that looked like me in those positions. I remember one time, and I will leave locations and names out of this, but I was sitting in my corner office and I was the SVP at a a role And it was the first time someone that looked like me held the position and people would walk by my office. It was all glass and the stares I would receive were astonishing. People would literally stop in front of my office and just stare at me and then walk away. They would just be shocked and they would double take, there would be double glances. I was at another job where there was a petition. I kid you not. There was a petition going around with lots of signatures, by the way, to fire me. What? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. For no other reason than because I was black and they thought I would bring hip hop music and hip hop artists to the company.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Mm-hmm. And I remember early on in my career, I found out that my counterpart, cause back in the day when we record companies early on would have people of color, black people, you did urban music, which was hip hop or R&B. And people who were not black could do pop and rock. And you, you could even do urban music if you weren't black. But black people primarily did black music. And at the time I was doing video promotion and I was busy. I mean, on my roster, I had everyone, and I was working nonstop. I was exhausted. And I found out that my counterpart, who was not white, who was not Black, who had maybe a fourth of the roster size that I had, was making probably two, three times more money than I was making. Oh, my God. And once I found that out, I went to my bosses and I said, I want to do the entire roster. I mean, this was unheard of, unheard of at the time. I said, I want to do, I want to do the entire roster. Because at that time, I didn't know that it was a big deal because I grew up in Los Angeles. I listened to all types of music. I, I grew up, I had... U2's album, I listened to, you know, pop, rock, I didn't care. I just listened to music. I loved all types of music. So I didn't know it was like such a big deal that you couldn't do or didn't, people didn't want to do any other music. And I said, I want to do the whole roster. And as far as I I was concerned, there was no reason why you couldn't, you wouldn't give that to me because I was great at my job. I mean, great at my job. And after negotiation, they gave me the entire roster. And at that time, I was one of three Black people in the entire industry at a major record label that did the entire roster. And I never looked back. And people would say to me, why do you want to do pop and rock and country music? And I was like, why not? But it was also economics for me. Because I always looked at the job as a businesswoman. I said, why would I not want to make more money by just doing one genre? This is, this is a business. And I eventually became, when I moved over to Virgin and we merged with Capital Music Group, Capital and became Capital Music Group, I became the SVP of marketing for the pop rock side. There had never in the history of record companies been a black person, let alone a woman, running marketing for the pop rock division of a major record company. So, and that that wasn't welcomed. There were White people at the company that said, that fought it and told my boss, she can't do that. White artists won't understand her. They won't relate to her. She doesn't understand how to market this music. And this wasn't that long ago. I just want everyone to be really clear on that. That wasn't that long ago. And
0: what advice would you share with young women or women of any generation who are facing similar challenges?
1: The advice I would give people is the advice I told myself. Don't be what they want you to be. Rise above, know who you are and stand on your ground. Don't be what they want you to be.
0: Something tells me we'll have a lot of these, so I'll call that our first mic drop moment of this episode, but Amani, you are amazing and I'm so excited to dive in more. Thank you for sharing all of that. And you mentioned a little bit, as we kind of focus a little bit more back towards the allyship discussion, you mentioned you had some experience with mentors, particularly male mentors. Can you share a little bit more about them and how they helped guide you and just share the overall experience? And how did not having a female mentor in your life, you know, help inspire you to the decisions you made and, you know, become such a trailblazer the way that you are?
1: Absolutely. I will share with you a story that um, really prompted my commitment to paying it forward. When I couldn't find a executive, female executive to mentor me in in those early days when I was searching for one. I remember going back to my little hotel room in New York City during those early 90s after being rejected once again by a senior female executive that I wanted to mentor me. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I said to young Amani that if I ever rise to any position of importance, that I will mentor any woman, any young girl, as many young girls as I possibly can who ask me, that I will try my best to never say no. And I'm proud to say that I've done my very, very best to live up to that promise that I made myself so many years ago. And I, I also want to set the record straight. When I was in Los Angeles working at Death Jam West, I had a great mentor who was, the first person who gave me my, my, my chance, it was Tina Davis. And she was the person who picked up the phone when I called Def jam West after looking in, in the yellow pages, when I made that big decision all by myself that I was going to work in the music business <laughs> after not going to law school. And she answered the phone. She was the head of A&R and she's now the president of empire records. And she's gone on, before that, to just have this incredible, incredible career. Shout out to Tina Davis. Love her so much. Tina was everything. I mean, she she took a chance on a on no-one. And she poured, she poured everything into me. And she taught me, gosh, everything. And she she guided me and she mentored me. And she's a friend to this day. And, you know, she just was so incredible. But when I went to New York, I was looking for another Tina Davis. I was looking for another strong black woman to pour into me just like Tina did. And I couldn't find that. But I do wanna mention another woman that poured into me as well. And she's Julie Greenwald. She is now the chairwoman of Atlantic Records and been the chairwoman of Atlantic Records and Julie shout out to Julie Julie G I mean she's a phenom I mean, Julie has stood in the gap for me Julie believed in me Julie spoke my name in, in rooms that I wasn't even in I remember when I was at Virgin Records and we had gone through the merge and with Capital and became Capital Music Group. And my then then boss was looking for a new head of marketing. And he had dinner with Julie. And he was asking Julie for recommendations. And at that time, I was still the vice president of video promotions at Virgin at Virgin Records. And he was asking Julie for recommendations for a marketing person. And Julie looked at him and said, What are you what are you talking about? Recommendation? Your head of marketing is right there in front of your face. It's a And he was like, What? She's like, what are you talking about? This is your marketing person. I've known her her entire career. And they went on and had a conversation, and he ended up making me the offer. She didn't have to do that. That's allyship. An ally speaks your name in rooms that you're not even in. And you know what's so even more incredible is I. I didn't find out this story until months later. She never told me, she never told me. I found out through my boss well after I accepted and was doing the job and I, saw Julie at an event that Diane van Furstenberg was hosting and Julie was speaking at, and I was invited to it. And we had our moment and I was able to give her her flowers. And that's what allyship is. I've spoken women's names in rooms that they were not in. And you do that not for credit. You don't do that to score points. You do it because it's the right thing to do. Because someone spoke your name in a room that you weren't in. And so that's the essence of paying it forward. That's the work that we do. And that's the work that's not done enough, in my opinion. It can't be done by the rare few. And that's why I bring this up. That's why I brought this up, this topic up during your panel, during advertising week, because I, I hear a lot of lip service. I really do. I hear a lot of women say that they're allies and say that oh, I support women, women supporting women, and I hear all the taglines and that I see the hashtags and I, but I don't see the action a lot. And
0: so, what do you think that we can be doing, um, particularly in this industry? But I think just across. You know, how can we make sure that allyship is at the forefront? I completely agree. And huge shout out to Tina and Julie. They obviously have great judgment and saw how amazing you were. Um, But how can we make sure that this doesn't just become lip service? And even further, how can organizations and companies ensure that they're promoting the allyship in the workplace?
1: The first word that comes to my mind is a word that I use a lot and it's a management style that is part of my DNA and it's accountability. I am an accountability manager and that's a hard line to walk. And I say that with such humility and empathy. I took the role of president, then CEO of BBH USA during COVID, and it was one of the most exhilarating yet challenging roles I have ever taken on. And people who know me, when I say this, they kind of balk at that. Because they they're like Amani, what are you talking about? You've you've taken on harder jobs. We know your career, but I have to remind people there was no playbook for COVID. We, we there we all didn't know what we were doing. If anyone says they did, that I, I don't think I want to know them or be their friend. <laughs> Because they're not being honest. Like it it was, it was novel in every sense of the word. I'm a tactile manager. I'm an, I'm, I'm like, I like to be in person. I like to look you in your eye. I, people know me. I will lay my hand on your arm. I will give you more likely a hug, which people like, or don't like, like I'm an in-person gal, You know, I just like to, you know, walk in a hall, have a coffee with you. I'm just an in-person person. person. And we re, you know, we rebuilt an agency online. I've never done that. I mean, I made a million and one mistakes. I didn't meet people for months. It was was wild. It was wild. And I mean, you had to use a skill set that you didn't even know you had. And we were running and gunning and trusting people and just trying to use your instincts and use a new skill set. And it was just insane but we made it through the best way we could and it was hard. And so, but we, we ended up making the agency 48% diverse, 58% female. That's I'm proud of that, you know, and we tried to hold on to culture and then rebuild culture and then rebuild it again and then rebuild it again once we got in person. And, you know, it just, it was a constant evolution. So, but we had to hold each other accountable. We had to. And so that's really the first and last step to this process is accountability and the leadership team, we have to hold ourselves accountable. And and people don't like that. We want a sliding scale. And that's where empathy comes in because I do believe it's always safe to assume that somewhere someone is going through something at any given time. And so we do have to lead with a tremendous dose of empathy but we do have to hold ourselves accountable because if we don't it's really hard to have progress
0: yeah show up and you know not just lip service it's almost like the age hold put your money where your mouth is you know there's tons of phrases we can apply to it but you nailed it with accountability. Um, you know, that's amazing work with what you did with BBH in such a uncertain and scary time. And it's even crazy now to think about and to talk about how unfamiliar and how scary those times were, which, again, wasn't even that long ago. It may feel like a lifetime ago, but here we are on the other side, hopefully. You know, it's almost like you can never, uh, never uh, let the sigh out too much because it always feels like it's right around the corner but amazing work yeah when I
1: think back it, it what we did was in two and a half years and even when I say out loud what we did in that two and a half years it almost feels like it didn't, like, it, like, it wasn't real.
0: Yeah. He,
1: yeah. Yeah. Because it was quite remarkable. It was quite remarkable. And something that I'm very proud of. You should be.
0: You know, and I said at the top, what a amazing beginning to your career, but the, you know, the, the remarkableness of you and of what you've done just, just keeps coming, so we can't wait to see what's next. And, you know, speaking of what's next, as we see, you know, particularly female careers evolving, and you've talked a lot about how, you know, you've been a trailblazer and at the forefront of change and really breaking barriers, what what trends and changes do you hope to see and anticipate in the coming years for women? It's
1: hard to not feel concern when you look around and you see the stats, when you see how few women are leading Fortune 500 companies, when you see how few women are on boards, when you see how many women are leaving senior level positions, when you see articles and read articles about, forget the glass ceiling, women are falling off the glass cliff. It's hard to not feel a bit discouraged. We talk about balance. I don't really wanna hear questions anymore about balance and like how women are juggling and, and, you know, how do women seek balance? Because men are never asked that. Right. What I want to see more of are women not having to choose, (laughs) to be honest, I want to see women crafting their own path more, making, being CEOs of their own companies and having more women, especially more diverse women, get the funding they need. That VCs or banks, that people are investing more in women companies. It's been proven over and over and over again that when women are in the C-suites, C-suite positions, revenue goes up. I don't know how many more McKinsey reports we need to see on that. Women companies are still underfunded. Still underfunded. I get a report on New York Stock Exchange companies and how many board seats are filled with women. It's still ridiculous. How many companies do not have more than maybe one woman on the board, if that? But it's the old guard still holding out, still holding out. So it's hard when you see these stats and when you see these, read these articles to not feel discouraged of like, what more do we need to do? And there's organizations, there's so many organizations, the 50-50 Women on Boards, there's Chief, there's so many organizations that are fighting the good fight, that are loud, that are encouraging, that are doing everything to get awareness. And it just makes you feel like, what more needs to be done? So, I guess we just have to keep on keeping on. And We have an election coming up. A really, really, really important one. And I cannot stress enough that if we as women do not vote and vote smart, They already took Roe versus Wade away. What else ladies, what else? So you can sit back and play the victim and act like you don't have power or we can vote these people out of office And you don't have to wait for a major election. There are elections
0: all year long. I told you there'd be another mic drop moment. And there it is. So powerful, money. Thank you. I definitely want to end this episode with the way I'll end every episode. Um, And, you know, it may seem obvious now, but would love to hear it right from you. What do you hope our listeners take away from this conversation? What message would you like to leave with them? It
1: might sound like a cliche, but I hope it doesn't because it's a simple truth. And there's always, in my humble opinion, so much power in a simple truth. So here it goes. You only have this one life. So live it powerfully. Don't let anyone tell you who you are, what you can be, who you, what you, or what you can't be. That's for you to decide. So starting today, live your life powerfully and see what happens. I believe in you. So go forth and be great. Because why not? You only have this one life. Thanks for listening.
0: Amani, thank you. Uh, Thank you for your continued support of the futurist female community and program. And thank you for joining us. And thank you everyone for listening and hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Louise. I adore you. You're the best. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you again in the next episode.